Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but he's making a beautiful morning these days. What a gorgeous day. And we're glad you're here with us as we join together now. Let's lift up our hearts, our prayers, our worship, and all that we are this day unto Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, be with us in these 40 days. Let us sing your praise. And may we stand as we join together now in our hymn of celebration, number 127, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for these are gifts, tithes, and offerings. We present them before your throne and ask that you will bless these and use them for the ministry of your church, that we be faithful to continue to reach out through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. A clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from Mark 15, verses 6 through 15. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again, then what do you wish me to do with a man that they call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Pilate asked him why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. This is God's word to God's people. The scripture becomes enfolded into this communion we share today as we find ourselves brought back 2,000 years ago. For before Jesus faced the station to the cross, he would with his disciples share the meal. And it says that he took the bread and breaking it, he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And as often as you do this, you shall receive me until I come again. As well, taking the cup and blessing it, he said, this is the cup of the New Testament, the cup of the forgiveness of sins for your sins and for the sins of all the world. And now, gracious God, we ask your blessing upon these elements of bread and wine that we might receive them today as your body and blood by faith, held in our hearts and souls, and that we gather together here today because of Christ's sacrifice for us. For it is not we who were good enough to deserve this. It was not we who paid the price. It was not we who were righteous enough. But only that Christ himself was the righteous one. The one truly good enough. The one who paid the price at Calvary's cross. That we might come to this table and understand the forgiveness of our sins. And now with angels and archangels... With all the hosts of heaven and earth, we now laud and magnify thy holy name, O God, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even Jesus Christ, he who has come and he who has died, and yet he who shall come again. Amen. In a classic Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Brown tells Lucy, life does have its ups and downs, don't you know? To which Lucy replies, I don't want any downs. I just want ups and ups and ups. Don't we all? When we follow the stations of the cross, however, in actuality, we may find many downs. We have been following the stations of the cross as we began Lent three weeks ago. 
as we have shared, the Stations of the Cross were designed by an origination in Jerusalem by pilgrims who wanted to walk the way that Christ himself had walked down the Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows, and by each station remembering something that happened on the last day of his life. As those pilgrims returned home, obviously most people would not have made the journey, and so by representing what they had experienced in Jerusalem, they in each community and each church could re-experience what they had felt by walking with Jesus Christ. The Stations of the Cross refer to a series of images depicting Christ Jesus on the day of his crucifixion and also to the prayers that Christians pray and say contemplating what happened on that walk. The first week we looked at the first station. Jesus was condemned to death. Last week, Brian led us through the second station. Jesus carried his cross. Today, we actually combine three of the stations into one. Jesus falls the first time. Jesus falls the second time. Jesus falls the third time. Now, as I mentioned in the first of our sermons, in actuality, there is no scripture that says that Jesus actually fell. However, one must imagine that in truth, he must have fallen under the weight of the cross. Brian mentioned last week that there has been theological discussion about exactly what did it mean that Jesus carried that cross. Did he indeed carry the whole cross like a, a T as our, our altar? Or did he only carry the cross beam on the way to Golgotha? In my own study and interest of this issue, I have come to the conclusion that Jesus only carried the, the cross beam. The reasons are twofold. First, Jesus having been beaten and flogged after night deprived of sleep and food would have been simply too exhausted to have carried that entire cross. As well, Roman executioners were under threat in their duties. If the prisoner died before they got to the place to be executed, the soldiers taking them could also be put to death. So they would not have burdened Jesus so heavily that he would have died or they would have been under threat of death themselves. As well, when a prisoner was flogged, it was always for 40 lashes. But if a flogger lashed someone more than 40 times, 41 times, they were then liable to also be lashed 40 times. And so it was well known in Roman times that you gave lashes 40 minus 1 or 39, just in case you made a mistake, you wouldn't overdo it. Isn't that kind of funny, justice, that you're willing to, to kill people like this, and yet you want to follow very cute observances of ritual so that you don't overbeat them or overkill them? The second reason is simply a matter of economics and convenience. Crucifixion was the most widely used form of execution in this part of the world. Crucifixion was used to punish slaves, pirates, and was used for enemies of the state. It was considered illegal to crucify a Roman unless they were under treason, and then they could be crucified. It was considered the most shameful, the most disgraceful way to die. It was used to be cruel as possible, as humiliating as it could be, for normally the crucified would have all their clothes stripped of them and they naked before everyone would have 
insults hurled at them. This was a particular insult to the Jew who found this an abomination. The fact of the matter was there were so many crucifixions that the Romans didn't care much about who they crucified. In the Servile War of 73-71 BC, the slave rebellion under Spartacus, you all remember Kirk Douglas in the movie Spartacus? In the second and first centuries BC and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, Crassus crucified 6,000 of Spartacus followers hunted down and captured after his defeat in battle. The Jewish historian Josephus says, the story of the Romans crucifying people, they did so along the walls of Jerusalem. And because they had so many people to crucify, to amuse themselves, they would crucify them in different positions to see how much more humiliating it could be. Clever. Mass production of crucifixions. There was no glamour in any of this. The executioners didn't care except to get their job done and perhaps steal the clothing of the people they had crucified. However, in Jerusalem, because of pressure by the Jews, Jews were not allowed to be crucified with no clothing, so they at least allowed a loincloth. And no Jew could be hung upon a cross that came to the hour of the Sabbath, and therefore the reason why the prisoners had their legs broken with a mallet or a spear stuck into their side so that they would be killed before the Sabbath began. Now, given all of this, you can see why I say that Jesus would have surely fallen while he made his way to Golgotha, beaten, scourged. He would have had to still carry over a 140-pound crossbeam for two miles up a hill after having deprived of sleep and food and being beaten. I could barely do that myself, perfectly fit and healthy as I am. <laughs> Almost healthy. Jesus' crucifixion was at best a farce, at worst a disgrace. It is a testimony to the darkness of the human heart that people would be so willing to take a murderer and release them and let him who only spoke of love and preach of God's kingdom and preach of the power of God's grace and forgiveness should be crucified instead. Our scripture is very clear that at this time of the year, the Passover, that Pilate had made it his previous plan that if the people had one person that they wished to have released, he would release them. And he thought this was a great way that he could let Jesus go. But no, the people were stirred up. And they said, no, do not release Jesus, but release Barabbas, the murderer. And being scourged by the lash, most likely a whip of leather, strips embedded with pieces of bone, Jesus was beaten, the cross being placed on his shoulders, 
and beaten and weak, Jesus was paraded through Jerusalem, through the way of sorrows, to Golgotha, and surely he must have fallen at the weight of the cross. In a spiritual sense, the cross here represents the sin of the world. Theologically, we see that Christ carried the sins of the world as a sacrifice for God. He was both human and divine, but because he lived amongst us on earth, he gave up the prerogatives of his divinity, and he felt every hurt, every pain, every lash, every nail into his hands and feet, a spear into his side as any one of us would have felt, and it was agony. To spiritualize away the humanness of Jesus, to say that he would have been too strong for this to happen to him because he was the Son of God, is to misunderstand the weight of the cross that Jesus was bearing. No, not the weight of this cross as an actual beam, but the weight of the sins of all the world. For it was on that cross that Jesus died for the sins of every person who had ever lived, who lived at that time, and who would ever live after that time to show us how much God loved us. But you see, everyone had it wrong. Pilate thought he had condemned him. He had not. The Jews said that they had persuaded the people to cry, crucify him, and they were the responsible. They were wrong. The people themselves, as they weighed their way to Golgotha to see his crucifixion, thought that they were the ones that had crucified Jesus. They were wrong. In John 10, 17 to 18, Jesus says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. You see, no one took Jesus' life. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for the sins of all the world. As John 3, 16 so well known and so beautifully says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. It was not the sin of those who crucified Jesus which killed him, though he died to forgive those sins. It was his own life laid down sacrificially to show us how much God loves us. Today, there are those of us with burdens and there are sins that tie us down. You know, it is so easy to hear the words of condemnation of those around us. There's so many internal words of condemnation as well. You see, we have all made our mistakes. We've all committed our sins. We have all not measured up. But that's exactly the point of the third station of the cross. That none of us 
could have earned our own forgiveness, but only by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not up to us. You don't have to be clever enough or smart enough or good enough or somehow pay enough. All you have to do is to trust God enough. And he will take our sins. Even as Jesus fell under the burden of our sins on the way to Calvary, so too we and our lives have stumbled and tripped and fallen. But there comes a time when only God's shoulders are broad enough to carry the weight of our worry. It is then that our crushing burdens become God's carried burdens. It is then that we have the strength to walk a straight path. It is then that we can cope with the intolerable and we can figure out the impossible. For then, having been carried ourselves, we are enabled and strengthened to carry others. I must understand that the cross that Christ bore was not his. Cross he bore was mine. In the ancient city of Venice this April, I'm taking a group, and one of the places we will be at will be at the Ducal Palace in Venice. You leave the palace and you enter a courtroom. And from that courtroom, you go over a bridge that is blocked by bars. And from that courtroom, you enter a dungeon. And above the door of the dungeon are the words, forsake hope, all ye who enter here. Can you imagine a prisoner being taken across that bridge knowing that once that door closed from the light, they would be in darkness, and that the last sight that they will have as they cross the bridge is to look out to St. Mark's Square and the beautiful lagoons of Venice and would sigh that life as they knew it was over. The bridge is called the bridge of size. For they knew that entering that dungeon, their life was over. Can you imagine what would happen if just as the door of the dungeon were being opened, that an official came up to the prisoner and placed a, a paper in his hand, and opening the paper, he sees that it is a reprieve, a pardon for his crime. Can you imagine what he would have felt as he just steps away from the dungeon, steps away to the darkness, his life would have changed. That he would have gone from death to life, from sin to forgiveness, from darkness to light. Can you imagine the tears that would have come in his eye, realizing that instead of the rest of his life in this dungeon of darkness, he would be sent back to his family to enjoy the light of love and family and things of life that mattered. 
It's exactly the same in our own lives, my friends. So often in life, we sigh over the things of life that we've gone through. It seems so often we're condemned by the actions that we have performed and the things that are so harsh in the world around us. But I want you to know that into your hand has been placed God's pardon of God's love. I'm going to tell you this. In your life, when you stumble, and you will, I pray that you'll stumble forward into the loving arms of God. When in life you trip under the burdens of life, and you will, I pray that you will trip forward into the loving presence of God. And in life, when you fall, and you will, I pray that you will fall into the loving arms of God who loves you and accepts you more than you'll ever know in your entire life. Of the God who looks at you not by the cross that Christ bore, but by the crosses we bear. And life becomes light again. And it makes all the difference in the world. How's your Lent going? Are you facing issues? Are there things not the way you want? Are there things in your life that you, you know are keeping you further away from God than getting you closer to God? Are you facing situations in your family where there's some difficulties? Is there the burden of, of health or bad health? Are there situations of family and friends or maybe your job that is taking out the, the breath of life because things just aren't the same? I want you to know that God can take that burden today and will lift it up and help you walk the rest of Lent in forgiveness and love and power. In just a moment, we are going to be celebrating Holy Communion. And at this altar rail, as you come forward, I pray that you will contemplate in your heart anything that you would like to give to God that you need to today. And that as you receive that communion, that you'll know that you are receiving a word of God's forgiveness and God's love. As you kneel, receive the communion. If anyone would like a special prayer, Jan Sorensen from our prayer ministry and myself will be at either side of the altar. Please just come up to us. We'd like to pray for you and with you. You don't need to tell us what your prayer is for. We just want to pray for you that whatever you're holding in your heart, we're going to pray that God will bless that need. Brian will be at the center aisle to give a blessing for you as you go back to your seat. But if you have a special need of prayer, we'll be here at the side for you, and Brian will bless you if you just wish to return to your seats. May we pray.
Eternal God, we give you thanks that Christ meets us wherever we are right now, right today, in our lives, in our issues. Yes, oh God, sometimes we, we stumble, sometimes we trip, sometimes we fall. But if we fall into your arms, we'll be all right. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we will be inviting the communion servers and ushers to come forward to receive first, and then we'll invite the congregation to come forward for either communion and or prayer.
gracious God, we give you thanks and praise as we lift up our hearts in worship to receive together this gift of communion, the joy of fellowship and of community, to come to the table hand in hand. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that as we receive these elements that we too might come to you in prayer to lift up those with burdens to bear, to continue to pray with and for one another. God, we give you thanks for this day that you have called us to continue to be a community in faith, that you've called us to continue to seek you with all of our hearts, that you call us to continue to minister to those in need all over this world, that you continue to stir in our hearts and transform our lives, that having been in your presence, we, will, we won't be the same. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that as we lift our hearts in worship, our voices in song, our hands in surrender, may we lift our prayers in unison that we offer the prayer that your son Jesus the Christ taught, that together we too may pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will you please stand as we join together in our hymn, Shalom to You, as found in your bulletin.